Today on Blue 58, Aaron Rodgers has ended his summer standoff with the Packers and will apparently be the team's starting quarterback this season. What should we make of the situation and what should we think about what's going to come next? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. We are recording Wednesday morning. Typically, we tape Tuesday and Thursday nights, but with everything going on, I thought it best to wait until Wednesday morning and see what shook out uh, here in the, is it the early stages or the late stages of the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers situation? Aaron Rodgers is back with the Packers. Uh, he's apparently reworked his deal, which we'll get into in a second, uh, with some some concessions with the Packers, but not honestly all that many. The short of this is that he's going to be with the Packers apparently this season. What exactly that means for this season and long term, I guess, still remains to be seen. But in the meantime, he's back. They haven't traded for Randall Cobb yet. We haven't heard from Rodgers or any of the other principals involved in the situation yet, other than what we heard from Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst during the Packers shareholders meeting. But we're back. And I guess I'm left wondering what to think about all of this. What did, what, what happened here? What ultimately happened is basically, I guess, what we predicted would happen. There's no incentive for the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers unless somebody made a godfather-type offer. And Rodgers realistically had very little little leverage. So we sit around all summer. There's some sniping back and forth. Some subtle messaging from one side to the other, from Rodgers to the Packers. The Packers by and large, trying to take the high road, other than Murphy saying that this is a divide of the fan base and that Rodgers is a complicated fellow, which really, the tempest in a teapot over those things was so exhausting. Like, if you're citing that as antagonizing Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers probably should have retired. If that's what bothers you, if 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 someone's saying that you well, he's a little he's a complicated guy, which he is, is enough to to hurt your workplace relationship with your boss, retire right now because you do not have the mental fortitude to play NFL football. You are not tough enough. I don't think that's what was going on here, but just. Having this all resolved now, you wonder what this was all about. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers today, but I don't think he's going to say all that much. I think he's going to stand there for his media availability and say things like, you know, there there was a lot of reports going on, and but you guys never really heard anything from me. Um, you know, you always got to be careful what you're hearing from people. And, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to keep those conversations private or something along those lines. That's what he's going to say. We're never going to hear Aaron Rodgers say, yes, my grievances were X, Y, and Z. And I expected the Packers to do A, B, and C to address them. And they have. And so now I'm back and I'm happy. And we'll see what happens after the season. No, he's going to be very political. He's going to say what I wanted to be here. Be What I wanted was to be here long term. And um, 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. The actual details on what Rodgers has extracted from the Packers are pretty minimal. Reportedly, from Adam Schefter and others, there is no change in money for the Packers or Rodgers. So that cans the report that Rodgers wanted $90 million guaranteed over two years. But it looks like the Packers are going to tear up the 2023 year of his contract and then reassess the situation after the season. I take the reassess portion of this at face value, which is to say that they really are going to sit down and say, well, do you want to be here next year? Uh, here's what we can offer. And... Uh, go from there. But a lot of people are taking it as he is definitely going to be traded after this season, which may be the case, but it also tells me that people have not learned very much from the last four months because on draft night, Adam Schefter was all but saying that it was a done deal that Rodgers was on his way out of Green Bay, which as we said on draft night, didn't make a whole lot of sense because the 49ers, the most QB needy team, with something to actually offer the Packers short-term. And it was very little, to be honest, because they don't own many first-round picks for the next couple of years, or high draft picks in general for the next couple of years. But they, they selected Trey Lance in the draft. If they were going to trade for Rodgers, that would have been the time to do it. And so they missed their window, and the Packers really had no incentive to to take any, any draft picks from anybody else because they're probably going to end up being late-round picks. So what did the Packers really give up here? Very little, I think. But again, this was the most likely scenario. Because of those things we mentioned on draft night, it was always more likely that Rodgers was coming back to the Packers than not, which is why all along I predicted that he was going to be back with the Packers. And here we are. He's back with the Packers. So what does this actually mean? What does it mean for the Packers? I think you have to look at short-term and long-term. Short-term, everything seems to be hunky-dory. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got Devontae Adams, who is presumably happy about uh, Aaron Rodgers being back in Green Bay. Uh, The real losers here are Jake Doligala, who had the misfortune of occupying jersey number 18, and Blake Bortles, who is out of a job just a couple of months after the Packers, maybe not even a couple months, but shortly after the Packers said that they wanted to have enough arms around, you know, to, to get practices done and stuff like that. I'm surprised that they don't want to stick with four quarterbacks, whether it's Dolagala or Bortles, uh, but maybe there are more roster moves coming. But functionally, in the short term, it's like nothing has ever happened. Long term, man, I don't know. In the words of Mike McCarthy, it's like anything. I think anything could happen next spring. And I, for one, am not super excited about the idea of going through all of this again. Whatever does happen, I hope it's resolved shortly after the end of the season. And hopefully it's resolved by the the Packers winning a Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers saying, yeah, let's do it again. Let's go for back-to-back Super Bowls. But if the Packers don't win the Super Bowl, I hope that both sides sit down and say by mid-February, yep, we're going to go back and do this again, or yep, Uh, Aaron Rodgers is no longer a member of the Green Bay Packers because we've traded him for 11 first-round picks, which is not something you can actually do. But um, just I I hope that if they decide to move on, that they get a great compensation. So short-term, long-term, we've got to figure it out, I guess. We're going to have to wait and see. But on the other hand, short-term, here we are like nothing ever happened. 
So what did we learn? A couple different places in conversations with different people, I've cited the ending of the movie Burn After Reading. And if you've not seen that movie, it's about a basically a series of misunderstandings between the CIA and British intelligence in Washington, D.C., circling around what some people think are leaked documents and other people know to be nothing of consequence. And at the end, somebody's been shot. Other people have been shipped off to different countries. Uh, one person is trying to, trying to extract some very petty concessions from the CIA or FBI, doesn't matter. But at the end, the, the last scene of the movie is J.K. Simmons sitting across from uh, one of his underlings at this intelligence agency asking, what did we learn here? What did we learn? And I, I keep picturing J.K. Palmer's silky baritone in my head. What did we learn here, Palmer, is what he's saying in, in the scene. And uh, the guy just says, I, I don't know, sir. And uh, J.K. Simmons returns to him and says, well, I guess we learned not to do it again. I don't know what we did. Uh, and that's the abridged version. But basically, that's how I feel. What did we learn here? What did we learn the last four months? Aaron Rodgers had some grievances with the Packers. Uh, the Packers did not share his opinion on those grievances for, for the most part because he is still a member of the Packers. And the concessions he extracted from the Packers seem pretty minimal at this point, as we'll go over in a second. So what did we learn? I can't think of a darn thing that we've learned over the last year, or last, it seems like a year, over the last four months. What, what did we learn here? I, I don't know. I've got nothing. But I guess I would boil it down to say that for all the talk about the power that players have, or these newly empowered players in the NFL, it shows us these past four months that however much power they have or think they have, they still hold very few cards. This is as big a power play as think that we've seen in the NFL, and I don't know how long. Aaron Rodgers either saying behind the scenes or implying behind the scenes that he wants to be traded and that he'll never play for the Packers again. But now he's back in Green Bay, apparently ready to play for the Packers again. Nothing has changed. The Packers may end up with a new receiver. The Packers may trade Aaron Rodgers next spring. But if you look at kind of how things have shaken out, it always seems like the plan was to probably move on from Aaron Rodgers after this season if things were not going well. And right now, the Packers have the opportunity to move on from Aaron Rodgers after the 2021 season if things do not go well. And if they do go well, they have the chance to bring him back, which is all it seems they ever wanted. I think the best way to figure out what we've learned, I guess, is to revisit the cast of characters. So back in May, we did an episode kind of breaking down the Aaron Rodgers situation, and we touched on a few of the principal people involved here. Let's do that again. The Packers front office, I think it's hard to say anything other than that they got a big win here. Now that we're done, we can look at what each each side got in this standoff. The Packers get Aaron Rodgers for 2021. The Packers get assets for Aaron Rodgers if he leaves next spring. They're not just going to cut him. The Packers get a chance to re-sign 
Aaron Rodgers or extend him long-term next spring if things get well, and the Packers get more time to evaluate Jordan Love. What else could they have wanted? On the other side, Aaron Rodgers gets a potential out after this season, which he always had, given what the Packers apparently were planning to do. And he may get Randall Cobb, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Is that it? Because if that is it, it seems like the Packers told Aaron Rodgers, you're going to get nothing and like it. Tom Silverstein tweeted shortly after this news broke, uh, that Ian Rappaport broke the news, um, within a couple hours, that it seemed like Aaron Rodgers' people were really pumping the uh, he gets to leave after 2021 angle because other than that, it seems like the Packers got everything they could have wanted. Rodgers seems to have lost this standoff because he's in Green Bay and the Packers get to decide when they want to move on from him. Because let's not forget, if the Packers decide they don't want to move on from Aaron Rodgers, we can do all of this again next summer. That would, of course, put the Packers in the position to get nothing for Aaron Rodgers after 2022, given what they've conceded to him already. But if we would go through this all again next year and the Packers say, no, we want you for 2022, and Aaron Rodgers says, no, thank you, I'd rather not play for you in 2022, what do we do? We sit there all offseason long again. Aaron Rodgers, you know, sits out, sits out, sits out. And then if he retires and tries to come back, his contract can toll or the Packers can just say, we're still not going to trade you or we'll deal you to who knows where. The Packers still hold the vast majority of the cards. Aaron Rodgers has been heard, but what did Aaron Rodgers get? Doesn't seem like a whole lot. So what about Aaron Rodgers? What's it all been about? We're going to hear from him today in some media availability, but I don't think we're going to hear exactly what his grievances were or how precisely they've been addressed. I don't think Brian Gutekunst is going to say anything about that either. So I don't understand what all of this has accomplished. And I've said some variation of that a bunch of times already, but it's true. I just don't know what all of this has been about. People are saying he got what he wanted. Did he? I mean, I guess he if what he wanted was attention, he got a lot of that. But other than that, I don't know how we'll ever know if, we, uh, if he got what he wanted. What about Jordan Love? Uh, I did a piece a couple weeks back, four scenarios for Jordan Love this season. We talked about it on the podcast a little bit. We are in two of the good scenarios. We don't have to talk about the, the bad ones for, for Love, but um, if Aaron Rodgers is back, that means Jordan Love is not going to be the starting quarterback for the Packers this season or get really extensive t- playing time anywhere outside of the preseason barring you know barring an injury. So there's really two good paths forward for, or there were only really ever two good paths for Love this season. If Rodgers returned, Love's got to look solid in the preseason. If Rodgers doesn't return, Love could play well as the starter. Those were the two best case scenarios for him. We've got one good option, one bad option left on the table. 
if if Love plays well this spring, it gives the Packers either confidence that he could take over next year or that they could actually get something for him as a trade. If Rodgers comes back next year, if he looks like a bust, it seems like it probably only helps the Packers retaining Aaron Rodgers long-term if he continues to look strong. But again, I'm, I'm reminded of something we've said all along for Jordan Love, that it's hard to not feel bad for him. He didn't ask to be put in this situation. He didn't ask to be the wedge to the extent that he was one between Love or between Rodgers and the Packers. He just wanted to play professional football. And so far, he hasn't really gotten much of an opportunity to do that. He hasn't played in a, in a football game since December 2019. That'll change here for him in a couple weeks, but it won't be a game that counts. Presumably, he would like to do that sooner or later. I wonder, given the situation, if it wouldn't be a good idea for Jordan Love to demand a trade. That'd be kind of wild, wouldn't it? Hey, you took me in the first round. Are you going to play me or not? If not, send me to someone who will. I want to play. It'd be a very small power play, but certainly one available to him. And if we're living in this new era of empowered players, heck, why not? Finally, let's talk about Adam Schefter. Sports Illustrated's Jimmy Traina did a big piece yesterday about how people dunking on Adam Schefter was all wrong because his initial reporting was correct. And look, man, his initial report seems to have been correct in substance. There appears to have been some kind of rift between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. But I don't think people have an issue with the substance of the report itself because that seems to have been confirmed by numerous people in different media organizations. But there are legitimate grievances you can have with Adam Schefter here. And I have several. First, the release day. He characterized that initial report as being something that was essentially revealed to him that day and that he released that day. It has since been revealed that that was not the case. Schefter did a bunch of reporting all offseason, got this together, and he and ESPN decided to release it for maximum impact on draft day. That is indisputable. He has confirmed that. That is different from how he positioned the report initially. This was not a breaking news situation. This was an I want to release this news situation. And if you want to take a very cynical, very, I guess, um, I don't want to say it's not naive. If you want to, if you want to knock Schefter as a journalist for not reporting information when he got it, but holding it for maximum impact, I think you've got a case there. Because Schefter, time and time again, characterizes himself as this very serious journalist, capital V, capital S, capital J, very serious journalist. But he doesn't behave like one, which we saw in how this report was released and how he behaved after it was released. For instance, he went from reporter to editorializer very, very quickly, saying things like the Packers would be one of the worst teams in the NFL without Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that's true, maybe it isn't, but what we know for sure is that it's Adam Schefter's opinion in that situation, because nobody knows for sure. 
role-playing with Chris Collinsworth on a podcast about grievances, just going on and on and on about how Aaron Rodgers was dug in, he's not going to change, things like that. Stick to the reporting, bud. Stick to the facts. Be the reporter that you say you are. Don't be an entertainment figure. If he wants to be an entertainment figure, okay, that's fine. You can be that. Plenty of people make a great living doing that. I have my grievances with guys like Colin Cowherd, but he is never, never anything less than clear about what he is. He is a conversation starter, a conversation continuer, a conversation shaper. And if that's what Adam Schefter wants to be, he should be that. But stop pretending that you are, again, a very serious journalist if you're going to do stuff like you did in the wake of the the Rogers news coming out. Some of that, sure, is from ESPN. But Schefter, if he wants to play serious journalist, should know better than that. Let's talk about Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb reportedly in the process of coming back to the Packers via trade. And there's a couple different angles we have to look at here. I One of the reasons I wanted to wait to record until this morning is on the off chance that the trade was consummated last night. No dice. The Packers have not yet traded for Randall Cobb. I imagine if it's going to happen, it's going to happen very soon. So what are the Packers getting in Randall Cobb? I think there's reason to be both optimistic and cautious here. Uh, optimism because he's shown in the relatively recent past that he can still be an effective player. In 2019 for the Dallas Cowboys, Cobb went for 55 catches, 828 yards, and three touchdowns, averaging 15.1 yards per catch. That's one of the best figures of his career. That is because the Cowboys used him a little bit differently than the Packers did over the last few years of uh, his time in, in Green Bay. They got him down the field more frequently when the Packers did. On average, uh, his average depth of target was 9.5 yards in 2019, his highest number by far uh, from what you'll find in the Sports Information Solutions public database, which has numbers dating back to 2015. Other than that, other than 2019, his highest average depth of target was 7.7 yards. He was going farther downfield and making more plays downfield than the Packers asked him to. In Green Bay, he was basically the consummate slot receiver. Line up in the slot, run routes in the slot, get downfield, running quick routes, and do what you can't after the catch. But we're not asking you to do a whole lot after the catch. We just want you to be there and move the sticks or or move the ball down the field in short little increments. The Cowboys said, nope, we want you to go downfield further. And Cobb was productive in that role. And that makes me optimistic because... Matt LaFleur does like to have very traditional slot players running slot motion, running jet motion, and things like that, and that's presumably what Cobb would do, but he's also very good at scheming those kinds of players open down the field or just getting them opportunity to create yards after the catch. So if Randall Cobb can stay healthy, there is a very good chance that he could be pretty productive in Green Bay. But that's where there's a bit of a... A sticking point here because Randall Cobb has not been healthy really in half a decade now. So he's got his big season back in 2014, one of his, well, by far his most productive season. Over the next four years, Randall Cobb only appeared in all 16 games one time. 
15, 16, 17, 18. It was only 2015 that he played all 16 games. In 2019, he appeared to be healthy again. Still a little bit banged up for the Cowboys, but by and large healthy. But in 2020, suiting up for the Houston Texans, after signing a lucrative contract, it should be stated, good for him, as we've said multiple times, getting that last multi-year deal for way more money than I would have expected. But uh, he only played 10 games for the Texans. If the Packers trade for Randall Cobb and he only is able to play 10 games, even if they're able to negotiate down his contract a little bit, that is not a terribly valuable player because the Packers would need him to be available. And sure, a big part of this deal is that he's, we are appeasing Aaron Rodgers here. We're bringing back Randall Cobb because we want a guy who Aaron Rodgers likes, who happens to be a pretty good player. But if he can't play, that first point that we're appeasing Aaron Rodgers is almost immaterial because you want guys who can be on the field. Sure, you're trying to make him happy now, I guess, in the reality that we live in. But if he can't play, what does it matter? What difference does it make if Rodgers is happy or not? You might as well just have given Randall Cobb a front office job and say, hey, hang around with, with Aaron Rodgers in your downtime. If the Packers do trade for for Randall Cobb, what does the Packers wide receiver room look like? I think you've got five locks for sure in that case. Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Randall Cobb, Amari Rodgers, and Alan Lazard. Adams, obviously. MBS, obviously. Cobb, obviously. You're not going to cut him after you traded for him. Rodgers, the third-round pick this year. Alan Lazard signed his tender yesterday. All of them locks. Beyond that, you've probably got three guys fighting for we're probably down to one spot here. And I think it's Devin Funchess, Malik Taylor, and Jawan Winfrey. Funchess, things just got harder for him. It's going to be tough to be the sixth guy on the depth chart who's already redundant to Alan Lazard if you offer no special teams presence. Funchess is not a special teams guy. That is not his game. He doesn't return kicks. He doesn't cover punts and kicks going to be tough to make the roster as as a sixth receiver given those circumstances. Malik Taylor, on the other hand, might just be able to make it because of special teams. You're going to have to have six guys active on game day to get him on the field, six receivers active on game day to get him on the field, which gets to be a bit of a tough ask because if you have six receivers, do you go with, what, three tight ends? It, it gets complicated. But he could have a real shot at the roster just because of his special teams contributions. And if Jawan Winfrey can play special teams, that might be his ticket to the roster as well because people have raved about how he performed through off-season workouts and such this year as well. And look, he's a good height-weight-speed prospect. You never know. What does this mean for Amari Rogers, though? If the Packers do trade for Randall Cobb, he's basically, again, to use this word, redundant. Does he end up in a redshirt year, basically reliving Randall Cobb's rookie year? Any contributions you get from him are just gravy, given the other receivers you have on the roster? I think that could be fairly realistic, but uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Still, uh, it seems like it would probably be a good learning opportunity for him. He and his family are both close with Randall Cobb, so that could be a great fit for him as well. Uh 
But still, it does complicate the wide receiver picture at least a little bit. At least we know with Jake Dolagala heading out of Green Bay now that Randall Cobb's jersey number is going to be available. And I guess that's all we really know at this point because it remains to be seen if and when this trade is actually consummated. But that's all I've got for you on this situation. We're going to skip uh, blood, sweat, and chalk for today, just given the, the news going on. We will resume that in the next episode, along with some discussion of training camp itself. Uh, for right now, though, um, that is all I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you sharing this with a friend, because that is the number one way we grow this podcast. Uh, it's through word of mouth, and we need your support uh, this year and every year. Uh, and we are excited to bring you another year of Packers content via the podcast and via thepowersweep.com this season. It is now officially the 2021 season. Training camp is underway as of today, July 28th, 2021. Uh, continue to share this podcast. Continue to, to talk with us in the Discord server and wherever you find the stuff. That is the, the best thing that we can do because uh, getting everybody involved in this conversation is how all of us become smarter Packers fans, me included. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.